Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at, at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. So, if you worship me, it will, be, will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. Well, like I said, I'm not actually going to preach through that text this morning. Um, the reason for that being partially that I, I kind of discovered late in the week and looking at it and listening to some teaching on it that, uh, that what we, we tend to think that text is about, um, it is, but it's so much more deeper and, and richer than that. How many of you in hearing that text, if you were to hear that text, Say, okay, what does this mean to my life? How many of us would say, um, that text is there to show us that just like Jesus did, if we need to prevail against temptation, all we need to do is know our Bibles very well. I think that's kind of, and when I, when I first thought of that text to preach on, that's kind of where I gravitated. But in giving that some thought, I, I want to go a lot deeper with that. It's actually, um, I think, a, a profound and significant gospel text. Not just a, hey, you should read your Bible more text. And so I want to treat that a little more fully next week. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, so what I'm going to do right now, not for very long, I think, is to go back to something that I promised a couple weeks ago. When uh, we were in the text at the end or in the middle of chapter 3 with the baptism of Jesus, if you were here at that time, um, I said at that time that that with, with the Holy Spirit descending on Jesus in the form of a dove, we didn't treat that part of the text at all. And I said, I want to come back to that later. And so that's what I'm going to do this morning. So if you have your Bibles, let's back up to the middle of chapter 3. Um, I still wanted this text read this morning because you may have noticed that the text is bracketed by references to the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Then after the time of temptation, it says, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. So what is the deal with the Spirit and the ministry of Jesus? And it might be good to go there before looking at this text in chapter 4. So revisiting the baptism of Jesus. Uh, If you were here on that Sunday, you remember how we talked about the fact that uh, John's baptizing of people was a baptism of repentance. That is, people would come to John and as an expression of their um, commitment, their desire to be immersed, as it were, fully surrendered to God and to his will for them, they underwent this, this rite of baptism. As they were submerged in the water completely, That was kind of a picture of their being submerged fully into God's will. And even though Jesus had no sins to repent of, I think for him his baptism symbolized something like that. This was his sort of uh, public um, declaration by sign that he was now stepping fully into the will of God. He was publicly letting people know that, that his life belonged fully to his father. And so that's what his baptism meant for him. And as Jesus was being baptized, you remember, he was praying and he saw heaven open and saw the Holy Spirit descending on him in the form of a dove and he heard the voice of God his Father from heaven saying, you, Jesus, are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. And how that declaration of his sonship, that affirmation from God that Jesus was his son, was the starting place for Jesus now going to his ministry. Um, And in his temptation in the wilderness, Satan's first words to him, if you are the son of God. And so the sonship of Jesus is is really the theme of this series of texts. And as also an affirmation of God's um, affection and presence with Jesus, He saw the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, come and descend on him in the form of a dove. Now, when you think about the Holy Spirit coming on Jesus, you might wonder, okay, what was that all about? Was that simply uh, the visible sign of the presence of God with Jesus? It wasn't more than that. When we think about the Holy Spirit and his presence, his, his resting on somebody, We immediately think of a number of things, probably. We think of power. Um, We think of the exercise of supernatural, miraculous gifts. Maybe uh, healing or powerful prophecy to speak the word of God. We tend to think of the Holy Spirit in terms of power. And in fact, Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what did Jesus himself say about the Holy Spirit in his life. And this might surprise you. And maybe we can set it up a little bit by asking the question, if the Holy Spirit is present on a person or with a person, um, what would be the evidence of that? Okay, You would see, we know scripturally, you might see the exercise of certain gifts, some of which are kind of powerful, some of which are sort of normal. Hospitality, administration even. Um, we would think of, and rightly so, what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. You can tell if the Spirit is present if you see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness 
and goodness and self-control and those kinds of things. You would know from reading the Gospel of John that when the Holy Spirit is present, you will see us talking about Jesus a lot more because the ministry of the Spirit is to testify to Jesus. So you know the Spirit is present not when people are talking about the Spirit, but when people are talking about Jesus. So all of these things are true, and all of these things you see reflected uh, in Christ himself, the fruit of the Spirit, exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, In Isaiah chapter 9, there's a prophecy about the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's about Jesus and the reality of the Spirit on him. There shall come forth a shoot, a branch, from the stump of Jesse, the line of David, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Jesus could have gone to that in describing the work of the Spirit, in his life. But somewhat surprisingly, Jesus' first public declaration about his ministry, if you go a little bit further in chapter 4, and if you have your Bibles, why don't you go there? Chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus now is officially launching on his public ministry, and his first stop is the synagogue in the town in which he grew up. He's going to Nazareth, he goes to the, the public worship time. And, um, and the scroll, the Old Testament scripture is given to him. The reading of the law of God, of the scripture, had a central place in the worship of God's people as it does to this day. And so the scroll is given to Jesus and he opens it up to the book of Isaiah and this is what he reads. These are, this is his first words of his public ministry. He goes to the scripture, the first thing he says The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Okay? So he's very conscious of the Holy Spirit on him. He had seen it. The Holy Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he stopped. And we read, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Pregnant pause. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, it's interesting that the text that Jesus goes to is in the book of Isaiah. And it's in Isaiah chapter 61. And I'm going to read the first few verses of that. And I'm going to read beyond where Jesus stopped. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that's where Jesus stopped, and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, and so on. When Jesus reads 
that text, he highlights the ministry to the poor, the liberty of the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, the liberty for those who are oppressed, and the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor, and leaves out the time, the year of the vengeance of our God. And here's the reason why I think he does that. I think because the Old Te- if you read through the Old Testament prophetic writings, you'll notice that what the prophets tend to do is telescope the future into a single prophecy. It's kind of like if you're, you know, if you're you know, 10 miles this side of the Rockies, you see this mountain peak and another mountain peak, and they look like they're right there by each other. And yet, when you get there, you find out they're quite far apart. And the prophets, it was kind of like that. When they could foresee the future, and God would reveal to them the future, the times of the day of the Lord, they would often see events and just kind of fit them together in the same same prophecy. But we know from our New Testament perspective, looking back, that the day of the Lord really began with the coming and the ministry of Jesus Christ and will be fulfilled when he comes back. But there's this period in between where Christ comes on, on mission to redeem the world. He will come again to judge the world, but there is this period in between. And when he comes here, he is coming to redeem the world. And his ministry is a proclamation of the word of, word of God that God loves the world, wants to save the world, cares for the people in the world, and Jesus' ministry is one of recovery of sight to the blind, healing of the lepers, Setting the captives at liberty. How many people did he set free from demonic possession, for example? And Jesus will come again at the end of the age, and he will come in judgment. Let us not think that Jesus is not a judge. He will come in judgment. But this is the time of grace. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit of God, so filled and surrounded and rested on him, to enable him for ministry to do the redemptive good works of God. How can you tell when the Holy Spirit of God is present on a person and present in a community? What will you see? I would suggest that you see the fruit of the Spirit. You see the centrality of Christ. I would suggest in addition to that that you will see a community of faith committed to recovery of sight to the blind, ministry to the poor, feeding the hungry, water to the thirsty, visitation to those who are ill or in prison. We are a congregation of the people of God centered around the person of Jesus Christ longing for the reality of the Spirit to be present in our midst, and rightfully so. I don't know if this is a word of encouragement or a word of warning, but if the Holy Spirit did come on us with power, we would be a radically different people. And that radical difference would manifest itself in an orientation outward, not only inward. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be oriented inward. We love each other, care for each other, befriend each other, teach each other, support each other, meet the needs of each other. But, as the scripture says, each of you should be concerned not only with your own interests, but also the interests of others. 
and the Holy Spirit of God on Jesus and on the body of Christ empowers God's people for works of service, to proclaim the Lord's favor, grace, love, compassion, care for a world that is broken, hurting, lost, blind, captive. There is a handful of people here at the church who have taken it upon themselves to meet monthly with the idea of putting into practice this this outward orientation. And specifically, we're here on this place on Tash Avenue. What does it look like for us as a church to care for the community in which God has placed us? And, uh, And so yesterday we had a lunch here for a couple hours, just... You may have seen the sign out there, just free lunch for our neighbors, anyone that wants to drop in. And we, we served lunch to a num- number of people yesterday. That's just a small kind of single shot expression of what it might look like for us to care for the people around us. And we want to do a lot more of that kind of thing. Um, a lot of you, I know, have deep concerns for the people in your own circles, the ones that you work with or live beside or live with even. You care for them. And I think that that is the spirit of God in you wanting to reflect the values of God to the people around you. So I just wanted to highlight that for us this morning, just recognizing what what a value, what a burden Jesus placed on in his own ministry of the care for people who need care. And if you read through the Bible in a year or read through a gospel, you will see Jesus spending an inordinate amount of time with people like lepers, hungry, prostitutes and tax collectors, outcasts, um, people who, who, who flocked to him because they sensed his love for them. And I, I dream of the day as God is cultivating a new sense of health here in our midst, dream for the day where that manifests itself, where, where people flock to the congregation, not so that we can be a big church, but because they find life here and know the love of God and the care of God and that the people that they find here know how to love the people around them. That is what the Spirit does and will do. If you find yourself longing for more of the Spirit, in this church, can I ask you to examine what it is you think you are longing for? Some of us, I think, when we long for the Spirit, we long for the emotion that is associated with the Spirit, passion, joy. Some of us, when we long for the Spirit, long for the signs and the gifts of the Spirit so that we can be healed. Maybe people raised from the dead. Some of us long for the Spirit because we want to see things like prophecy and the word powerfully spoken. All of those things are right and true and good. But I would call us to add to that, that we long for the Spirit because we genuinely want to see God's kingdom come in the world around us. Not just feel the reality of God while we're here. I think that's what the Spirit came on Jesus to do. I think that is what marked Jesus all the days of his life. I think I have no more to say. I would start rambling if I kept talking at this point. I'm going to stop now. And let us spend a few moments in prayer. And I'm going to invite you to pray aloud, if you will. 
and pray for whatever is on your heart to pray. But I mentioned two things. One is the Spirit of God having His way in our midst. And the Word of God being powerful and effective in our own lives. Because the Word and the Spirit are inseparable from each other. The Spirit wrote the Word. The Word teaches us of the Spirit. So let us now pray together that we would be a Word of God and Spirit of God church. And if there are other things that are on your heart to pray, if you want to just worship or say thanks or be quiet, you go ahead and do that. And then I will say amen in a little while and we'll close our service by singing Crown Him with Many Crowns. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Anyone who wants to pray, you go ahead.